Hello and welcome to the new Trucking Driver podcast, kicking off with our first episode here in January 2020. I'm Dougie Rankin. And I'm Chris Madison. The podcast um, is going to be talking about all matters to do with trucking, shows, events, new vehicles, what we've been driving and generally just what we've been up to. I thought we would kick off the first episode just by introducing ourselves and telling you a bit about what we've been up to at the end of 2019 and what we're going to be doing going forward into 2020. You'll probably already uh, know me, I'm Dougie, I'm the editor of Trucking Driver, I've been doing it for about a year or so now. I've been doing freelance truck journalism for about 10 years and driving trucks for about the same time as that. Chris, a few of the readers will be familiar with him as well, along with a lot of people on Facebook because his truck is pretty famous. Uh, I would say it's probably the most famous Foden in the country. Chris, you want to introduce yourself? I've um, deposed dairy farmer professional Yorkshireman and I have an unhealthy fetish for Foden's as you probably know. Yeah I'm guilty um, of that as well to be fair. Uh, it's, it, it creeps up on you. I've been an owner driver now for 15, 15 years I think. I've had this Foden pretty much from day one. First off I started with an FL10 which was appalling. I had a Renault Premium after that for about 10 minutes which was again appalling and then I bought this Foden on a mad whim and here we are 15 years on still haven't managed to kill it still haven't managed to buy anything else so uh, there you go well that's it that's the thing but coming up in a uh, 2020 with the advent of all these ultra low emission zones coming up everywhere it's maybe going to be time for a lot of owner drivers and a lot of companies to consider changing their vehicle to something that's euro sick um, which think, unfortunately means a lot of vehicles which are um, very much loved and well looked after are going to come to the end of their working life. It really does confuse me as to why something that doesn't smoke would probably pass a smoke particulate test tomorrow and get an RPC is deemed suddenly the work of the devil. I have no interest whatsoever in Euro 6 Tackle and all the associated grief that goes with it. I have to listen to enough people sobbing about ad blue pumps and fur in and the rest of it. I've um, very little interest in digital tacos, to be fair, apart from perhaps not having drawers and drawers of round paper things to look after. However, if we're going to carry on, which isn't a definite um, I'm going to have to get my head around all this this year and decide whether we're going to buy new and sit on that for the next 15 years or whether I'm going to get used um, and see where we are. Obviously, I've been keenly watching how people have got on with three-year-old Euro 6 motors and there does seem to be a fair amount of bother to be buying. If we carry on, maybe I am going to try and push on and get a brand new one with the safety net of three years warranty, perhaps. I don't know. I really don't know. It's a very tricky one because obviously you've got Euro 5 backward has been going to be specifically excluded from all these emission zones, and it's um, it's bizarre that everything's been lumped in, in the in the same in the same boat. I mean, it's all about politics and being seen to be doing something, you know. Um, mm. Trucks are, I mean, trucks naturally are replaced without forcing things on. They come to an end of their service life, and obviously, if you get a few older ones going about, they are. They are a rarity, and you'll often find that older trucks will rarely venture into a low emissions zone. So, I think it comes down to mainly being about money, apart from anything else. There's some cracking ideas for low emissions zones going about. I believe Bath Council proposed one which um, overlapped a major trunk road, which meant that anything passing Bath would be running through the low emissions zone, and therefore be taxed for running, 
running through it and there's also the consideration that if you drive through three of these things in the one day do you have to pay three times for each zone from what i can understand about leeds i mean leeds as i've said before to you leeds have kind of given their head a shake it was going to be the outer ring road it's now the inner ring road it's the business district right through the tunnels on the 58 i think with leeds you pay once and you're in and out all day which again just to make some mockery of it being about emissions it's a tax simple as that if I want to pay the 100 quid, I can run in and out all day long. So, you know, I could be running a Euro 3 tipper. I could be on a muck, uh, muck away job in Leeds. I could be in and out all day long for 100 quid, which when you stack that against buying another, you know, eight-legger specced up at 160,000, you can do some running in and out. Um, if they're going to ban it for emissions, ban it. End of. You can't pay to go in. You're done. Then it's a level playing field. Yeah, I think there's um, there's going to be a lot of um, controversy and things to come. On a lighter note, let's go and um, talk in a positive manner about your lovely old Foden. Mm. So, Chris, your Foden Alpha is probably the I'll go and say it's the best known Foden in the country. It's been a lot of shows. It's won silverware, and obviously you've owned it for a very long time. So, can you tell us a bit more about it? She was. Uh, the factory publicity wagon sitting in the office now staring at a three foot by three foot framed picture from the foyer at the factory at Leyland that somebody pushed into my little paws at the Fund Society AGM a few years ago. She um, travelled about on the Pacar Roadshow. I've, I've got some pictures of her at um, Ackworth Steam Rally 2003 when she was up at Pelican. When they'd done with her and the publicity job, she was bought by Reg Jeffries at Otley. Livestock haulers at the time, well, general and livestock, they uh, ran a whole stack of phones. I think they had plans for her at the time to do a sort of special anniversary model with her and stick her up accordingly. Then foot and mouth reared up again when it escaped from that laboratory in Purbright. And I think that's what galvanised their idea that getting out of livestock would be the best plan of action. So I saw her for the first time, and to be fair, she was box fresh. Ridiculous. And here we are, 15 years on. There's a lot to be said for only owning one truck and running it for a long time, because if you Mm. think about all the emissions and raw materials that go into new trucks, if you're replacing the truck every couple of years, then there's a much bigger carbon footprint for that than there is mm. just running one truck and keeping it in extremely good mm. condition and well-maintained. Well, yeah. She really doesn't put any rock out at all. You know, you'll get some black at 44 tonne pulling up from A1 up towards uh, Rotherham on M18 South. You know, she'll put a bit out, but it's only a bit, and it's up and it's gone, you know, up the stacks. She yeah. would pass smoke emissions test right now, so I'm struggling to get my head around all this, I I really am. You know, there are some appalling things on the road, as you know, buses mostly that are black all um, at the back windows. And they're still yeah, I was behind around. two buses, a 52 plate and a 55 plate um, this weekend, and it was kind of late in the evening. There were about three people on each of these buses, and the things, abs- the emissions coming at the back, they absolutely stank. Hmm. And you're thinking, you know, these are like good stickers on the back saying, you know, emissions friendly, running on cleaner diesel and everything. It was like, well... Who are you trying to kid? I mean, with modern trucks these days, there's barely anything coming out the exhaust at all. And, of course, with your Foden being the Cummins engine, that engine was known at the time for being very clean. I've heard talk of that engine outperforming Euro 5s in emissions tests when people were, were taking them for test running a mixed fleet. So 
Yes, it's such a um, shame that um, politics and sort of being seen to be doing something is going to take, potentially take a lot of um, perfectly good and serviceable trucks off the road, which long ago paid off the raw materials that went into building them. And um, yeah. regards your food, and I mean, what's, if you had to do a lot of work to it over the years, I mean, is it engine-wise, no. sort of clutch-wise, is it, is it ever wanted for much? No. Back-end gearbox and clutch are all original. Brake calipers are all original. We've had it front ball joint on the gear linkage because it vanished to the floor 10 years ago we've had two intercoolers with cracked weld pretty much that's your lot um we have a guy called jim lyons in barnsley he's a coming specialist old school he's got tools doesn't have a laptop out he comes and he sets her up he does the uh, top end set every christmas holiday sets the jakes sets the valves sends on a merry way just recently been down and done one of Ian Brumpton's remaining Foden's for him. I think Ian's fairly impressed with his performance there as well. But Jim's old school, he knows these engines inside out. You know, if I go to the main dealers now, I'm, I'm screwed. I've got some 20, 25-year-old lad and a laptop and he just looks at me gone out. Yeah, you would tend to find that these days. That, um, they're not really catering for the, the older variety of trucks. Because, of course, when you mentioned um, Ian Brumpton there, that was... Um, where mm-hmm. I bought my Foden from. I'd like to yeah. reiterate, this isn't entirely just a Foden-based podcast, but we might as well get some of this out of the way in the first episode with introductions, because obviously I also own a Foden Alpha. Um, I didn't make it to the owner-driver stage because uh, they came after me uh, to do the truck and driver job, and obviously I couldn't turn that down, but I've got one of Ian Brumpton's old Fodens, which uh, I bought it with 650,000 kilometres on it, and I think... As an original truck, it's got to be one of the one of the nicest kind of untouched ones out there. Yeah, um, yeah. I did have people saying, like, kind of mocking me and saying, "You can't, you can't use that. It's too old." And I was like, "Well, I'm going to have bought it outright. It's got no ad blue. It's got no DPF. It's got no EGR on it. It's relatively simple. And obviously, you've got to take into consideration that some of the parts, the caterpillar parts, and certain food and specific items are getting a bit tricky to get now. But you can still get them." Because the, the big difference between mine and yours is the engine, whereas mm-hmm. yours very rarely puts out any smoke at all. Mine puts out um, yeah, <laughs> uh, pure coal out the, the Aminox stack, which kind of came as standard on the Caterpillar <laughs> engines. Yeah. Um, it's got plenty of poke, but it's got a good amount of smoke about it. And currently, it's parked up. I've not done anything with it for a couple of months because I've been running it to the shows and things. I would like to go and get it out and do a bit of work with it, get a bit of heat in it and see how it how it gets on, but um, it's not too easy just to put a truck out and just work it. You've got, um, unless I hire it out, if anybody wants to go and hire it that's going to be responsible with it, maybe I could do that. Yeah, pop it down here in March when I get mine off the road for a fortnight for some paintwork doing and we'll hang 28 tonne of steel on it every day. That'll warm it through for you. I think it probably, that would probably be a good idea, just to get out and doing something, because I did run it up and down the road to shows a few times, and what I quickly kind of discovered, driving a tractor unit about to shows and back, it's not the same as going out and working and doing something when things are at stake. And um, as much as I was delighted to be given the opportunity to do this job, I am a bit like, mm, what if, you know, I would have, I would have liked mm. to have, you know, been ro- crawling about underneath it trying to unjam the starter mm. at two o'clock in the morning. From the, you know. <laughs> well, it's ironic, you want to crawl about on your back in the rain at side at road, prattling about smacking starter motors. I'd swap places with you tomorrow, you can have mine and come and do this, I'll come and do your well, job. No you, bother. I tell you what we, we were talking about in a meeting with my boss, we were talking about all the different plans for trucking drivers for 2020, and we have got some 
um, interesting ideas coming up. Uh, one of which was this podcast. But um, he said, you know, have you ever thought about doing a guest editor issue? Because sometimes that you get music magazines like Q might go and get like, you know, Oasis or something to go and edit their magazine yeah. for an issue. Maybe we could do that. You can go and do truck and driver for a couple of weeks and sit in the office and I'll go and drive your truck. As long as we work on the understanding that Yorkshire rules are in play, which means if you bend it, you mend it. Yeah, but we're going to have to go and play on like journalism rules, and which by if you get if you get us sued. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not an if. So, Chris, how did twenty nineteen end for you? How did um, December go? Because obviously. As an owner-driver, things can get quiet and it can get a bit worrying at those times of year. Well, in prospect, November, December time, we're not going to be well. Um, my customer, as you know, is Cobblefret. I pull ferry trailers and our um, traffic was slowing down quite considerably as we passed another pretend Brexit in October. So, you know, leading up to Brexit day, it was go 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 everybody over here was stocking up warehouses were getting wedged out with plywood and steel the rest of it and then it didn't happen and then it was like brakes on so we had some serious stop start weeks um they kept us going in a fashion as best they could obviously they can't give you the loads they don't have but i thought really for the first time in 11 years i think since i started with cobble fret i'm gonna have to find some some backup plan and it, it worked out fairly well um few contacts i know put me onto some supermarket work leading up into october and november which was interesting completely different job to what i'm used to so hellishly early starts which is obscene unless you define, a, define an early start uh, i'm getting out of bed at half past 12 on saturday morning to kick off um um, so Saturday morning as in half past midnight or half past 12 half in the past, afternoon? Half past midnight, yeah. Oh dear be. God, that's actually, that's very antisocial. That's, I would, yeah, that's, well, neither a day, that's neither a day shift nor a night shift. What would you even call that? I'd get my Friday finished, I'd get home, wash her off, go and have nine off and then I'd be back in the yard and gone. Interesting though, there's no, um, you know, there's no problem with it because you're doing something completely different and obviously when you're going into town centres and looking for bizarre little ginnels that take you down the back of... Uh, Marks and Spencers and, and, and the like, you've got to have your bloody wits about you so it keeps you alive. Actually, the physicality of it compared to what we do, I mean, you know, strapping steel, unstrapping steel, that kind of thing, you know, we're not sort of container pilots, we are on with stuff, but shoving cages about and all, all the rest of it was there is. actually fun. Yeah, I used to do a bit of supermarket work for uh, mm. the agencies a few years ago and I had pushing the cages about because you would have to you would have to get the trailer then you'd unload it at the supermarket load the empties back in back yep. take the empties back empty them at recycling and back yeah, by the time you, if you did three of them in a shift you know you would be that yeah. was a good you wouldn't need to go to the gym at the end of it anyway there was a lot of guys yeah, that really yeah. some guys really enjoyed that sort of work and other guys really hated it i think it was that was the kind of way it went you either liked it or you did not and i really enjoyed it it was excellent you meeting people and to be fair I can't comment about all supermarkets, obviously, but the, you know the blokes we were dealing with. Wherever I went, I didn't meet anybody that resembled Gollum. They were all fairly happy chaps, to be right. Um, first question was usually, "Do you want to brew before we start?" Now I don't get much of that on my uh, on my day to day stuff, to be fair. But no, it was really enjoyable. Um, fuel economy was way better than the daily grind because I was running maybe six ton max on the way out, maybe ten ton on the way back with empties because we were packing them in. Brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. And that 
went a long way to buoying us into the quiet bit, which takes the worry out. Because obviously I'm ploughing on towards two weeks off at Christmas. That's all I look forward to all year. I don't have much holiday. You can't really take holiday if you've got one truck and a hell of a, you know, a big family. You've got to keep on and keep on. But I like to get two weeks off done finished at Christmas. So usually I'm chewing fingernails up to my elbows thinking about tax bills in January and the rest of it. But this year, for once, we've done enough to just get through to the end and call it a day. Plus, uh, as you know, we had a little Welsh odyssey that yes, uh, this is, um, provided a bonus. Yeah, the adve- your Welsh adventures are going to be in the March issue of Trucking Driver, uh, which mm. is definitely a bit different from the norm for you. Where, where was it you were off to again? It was down below Cardigan. If you're going to ask me the name of the village, you're going to be waiting. Oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. We don't Clan, need to Clan Braddock, potentially. <laughs> Clan Braddock. Yeah. Anyway, it was below Cardigan, which was my first trip through the middle of Aberystwyth with a low loader on. That's uh, interesting in itself, because I won't like to think I'd gone into there with a D10 dozer on, because there'd be a hell to pay. Anyway, got down, down to Mr Morgan's, Tipped with a really nice sea view down there. Unloaded, done, dusted half an hour. He says, breakfast. Oh, thanks. In, breakfast. Had to reverse a mile back out down to Crossroads to get out. And he says, just give us some when you go up that hill, will you? We want to listen to it. I said, all right. So I gave her plenty going up hill. Uh, up to the top road there. Turned back left uh, to come back north up towards Aberystwyth. Caning on, radio on. Lovely. Just Florida, thought. Oh, that's a bit flat. And then I looked at the dashboard and it was a bit black and it was very flat. She stopped. So I turned radio off and she just stopped. Done. She the whole truck over. just cocked out. Yep. All the electric oh. systems worked. Heater, everything. Radio, everything. Apart from the dashboard and she wouldn't fire. Now, before I went into full meltdown, you know, being 220 miles away on a Saturday afternoon thinking this is going to be an interesting suspended tow, I thought there's a relay on the engine block. If you go cab over and you stand behind the passenger wheel if you look to the back of the block there's a little relay there that's for the fuel pump i thought we've done that before with a broken wire it'll be that nope that's perfect and that again wouldn't explain why the dashboard was black would it so i'd had the dashboard out the clocks out the week before to change an indicator stock so i thought i've probably nipped a wire it's all going to be simple this is fine pulled all that out everything's fine i thought right i'm starting to get sweaty palms now and then we had what I can only assume to be a proper policeman, but at the time I really did wonder because he made Uncle Bryn look a bit more plausible. Is you can't stop here? Like, well, no, I'm not intending to stop here, but she won't go, so you'll have to get recovered. I've only just stopped. <laughs> bearing in bearing in mind we're on a five mile straight, and it's you know it, there's nothing between me and Aberystwyth for 35 miles, and there's nothing behind me probably till Swansea. There's nothing for him to do either, though. Well, no. <laughs> I said, you, you were the highlight of his day. He says, well, you can't stay here. You'll have to get recovery. I says, well, if I ring Daffaid now or my recovery man, you're going to be three hours plus, aren't you? Well, yes, but at least they'll be coming. So I says, well, I'll tell you what, if you stop mithering me, I'll carry on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to ring my fitter in Rotherham, Jamie, and see if we can't figure this one out, and then we can get going. Oh, well, it's... He went away and he's sort of fussing about around trailer and then he comes back and knocks on the door again and says, Yes. He says, Have you got a re- have you got a triangle? Do I <laughs> do I really need one? He says, Well yes. I says, Well I'm not hazardous, so um, you know. 
So he, he wanders off and then he comes back again. And he, he just kept going and coming and going and coming and going. And I, I thought, it's got to be a wind-up, this. It's like Beatles about. So <laughs> In the end, he came and he says, well, I can't stay here with you all day. I'm going to have to go and do something else. I went, well, yeah, I think you should, yeah. But he says, but I'll be back. So anyway, he went, thank Christ, before I had to um, have words. Got through to Jamie and Rotherham and I said, look, I have no hair, but if I had it, I'd be pulling it out just now. I says, what's occurring? He says, to me, sounds like a relay. Relax. So there we are, dashboards in bits everywhere, radios out, um, road relays out. He says, right, into the fuse box, let's start swapping relays over. So I'm, I'm crossing relays, top and bottom, left and right, all this. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. All engine fuses are fine. And he's, he's running out of ideas rapidly. So in, in the end... I sent him a picture of my fuse board and my fuse board cover because he's got a daff in the yard and he's comparing bits. So all these buggers that keep telling me it's just a daff, this is for you. I have a hell of a lot more fuses in there than a daff. And he says, well, I don't have 44, 45 and 46. He says, what's, what's, I says, I don't know. This 46 just says ECS and it's black bright, this fuse. It's, it's never been touched in 17 years. So he says, pull that out and have a look at that. He says, I haven't got that. So I did, and it was blown. It was a 10 amp, and it was blown. So I banged one in. Dashboard comes back to life. Diddly ding, diddly ding, diddly ding. Leaned across. She fired. He says, Right, stop bothering me. Put your bloody dashboard back in and get home. One 10 amp fuse, that was all it yep. took. With no idea why it blew. See, that's that's the advantage of having a slightly older truck, I suppose, where it's just a matter of a fuse. Mm. Instead of instead of an automatic uh, requirement to have a laptop plugged into it, no. yeah, that's, that's a heartwarming story of um, roadside. Um, Jim Lyons, I called him first, but Jim didn't answer the phone. The Cummins chap, and he rang me For back her? when I was Jim Lyons, the oh yes, Cummins, ah, you mentioned right. him earlier. He rang me back when I was sort of sneaking up past um, Wrexham up towards Chester, and I told him what had gone on. He says, "Do you know what's bloody caused that?" He says, "Go on." He says. Do you use that dash dandy nonsense, that bloody stuff? I went, well, no. He says, well, all these that use all that silicon dash spray. Yes. He says, it's that stuff. He says, I've had some mither with that over years. Really? It's all this, all the shiny dash, nice-smelling stuff, stuff that's so incredibly popular. He reckons that causes problems. What is it? It's getting what into the it fuse board. It's right? getting into the fuse board, and it's, it's insulating. So what I, you'll get, I take it it's like it's in the atmosphere then. When you spray it about, it just goes well, yeah, and settles it's everywhere. everywhere. And we are, you know, you're thickening all of your dashboard and microfibering yourself, silly. It's mm -hmm. getting into your fuse board. It's getting under your relays and it's getting into um, into terminals. He says, you know, he's had bother with that before now in tractors with all the, you know, young farmer types and they're all polishing tractors and the rest of it. He says, he's been called out to a few and it's been that stuff that's caused problems. He says, I wouldn't be surprised if you've had a build-up of silicon over years in there, and you've hit a pothole, and it's just gone right, and it's jarred it, and it's shorted that fuse out and popped your fuse. He says, you'll know as you're coming home, because if there is a problem with wiring or, or, or there is a dead short anywhere on that system, you'll pop it again. So I says, right, well, cheers, Jim. I'll, uh, I'll keep it in mind. Anyway, she um, she thrashed home, and we were back over at Woodhead and snuggled up back in the yard at 6 o'clock at night on Saturday night without any bother, and here we are a month six weeks later and it's fine so i'm inclined to believe him on that the end of 2019 for me i burned the candle at both ends all year and 
ended up um, bowing out with a bit of a whimper. I got actual proper flu, not like man flu, like genuine flu, for the first week in December. And then the week after that, in a very delicate state, um, I spent a week tramping in uh, R410 gas-powered Scania because, um, well, one of my resolutions for the new year is to go out and work trucks more often, keep my hand in and keep driving new vehicles. And I was happy to drive a next-gen, even if it was a rather unusual one. I did find it pretty impressive. Really good dash layout on it, good gearbox, pulled well, didn't have any problems gassing it up. I've got that to write about an upcoming issue. And that was how I finished off the year, banged out the last issue of the year. And, yeah, that was a, that was what I did. Obviously, now, scan your next-gens. I mean, you've tested a few lorries over the last year with a mm. view to replacing the Foden ultimately, mm. and you had spent some time with a Scania S500, uh, yeah. the bigger brother to the R cab. Obviously, the R used to be the biggest, but now the flat floor desk cab seems to be taking the majority of sales in the UK. There's not, the R cab that I had, you've just got a little step in the middle, and basically it's more or less the same. I think the dash clocks are a bit different, different mm. in it, but... Um, I found that the R cab was big enough for me, and I actually prefer not having the flat floor. I like having that little step to keep things separate, but the flat floor option certainly seems to be very popular across both the Scania and uh, the yeah. Renault Range T High. Um, yeah. Because you had the Renault for a week with us, and you also had an S500 from the dealer. Yeah, I had the Renault for nearly a month. They just landed at 8 o'clock on Friday night unannounced and dropped it, and then they just failed to fetch it, so we ran it for nearly a month, right up until the weekend before Peterborough when they wanted to take it back and tidy her lipstick up and then drop her on the stand at Peterborough. So she uh, she got put through the rollers. Um, nice thing, really, you know, my and own is, I think that, um I think the Renault Range T is, um, it's got an awful lot going for it. They're very, I mean, obviously... We'll, when you go into detail of it, there's a few flaws with the inside of the cab, yeah. but I think they're sorting them out. And they're not, if they sorted out a few of those things, they wouldn't be far off having sort of a class leader. It, it, it could be competing with the Swedes with a few tweaks. I'd have one in the yard, definitely. I told the lads down at Warwick that I'd have one in the yard, if, you know, at the right money. And it really came down to that steering column that everybody knows about. It's appalling, it needs doing, and, you know, it's going to be done shortly. So, fantastic. Yes, that's the good The good news is for the 2020 model year, Renault has updated that rather odd steering oh. column that doesn't have much adjustment in it, which is going to transform the cab. And also, I believe there's a big interior update coming in 2021 with a new dash. So, oh. we're looking forward to that. I mean, it was a 520 horsepower version you had. I actually had that truck back in 2018, I think, as well. I mean, badges in the doors of trucks, you're never quite sure these days, but the 520 Renault is genuinely a hard-pulling truck. Yeah. I went to, uh, where did I go? First day, I can't just remember. Kilmarnock. up in Scotland with it. Yeah, it was Kilmarnock, I think. And she went across the 66 with 27 tonnes on her back from Scotch Corner, dragged up up towards Bruff, up towards um, Stainmower. She didn't drop below 48 miles an hour going up there. Yeah. I had to assist her. I, I, had, I had to give her half a cog manually to just, you know, keep her revving. But she fired up there. Brilliant. Pulled like a wrong one. Yeah. Um, and I expected to pay for that, really, because it was windy. Um, when we came back down, we reloaded as well. Waste paper out of uh, Glasgow. I thought, by the time I get back with this, I'm going to be on sixes and sevens on the fuel with this. She was on 8.85, I think, on that trip. And over the three and a half weeks we ran her, 
I drove her how I wanted to drive her, not really how uh, Steve Blackie at Renault wanted me to drive her, because they wanted me to get startlingly good fuel out of it, I think. But even so, driving it as I drive it on a normal day, under, under a bit of pressure, weighted up, she did 9.96, I think, average of three and a half weeks, which... Yeah. Is remarkable, and Steve did tell me at Peterborough when I had I had lunch with him. He said, "If you'd have done as you were told, would have got you nearer 11." Yes, because I was quite. They want you to drive it in quite a specific way, using yeah. the adaptive cruise control yeah. and setting two different speeds, and then letting the truck do the mm. acceleration rather than you doing it off the the throttle. Which is a kind of a. It took me a while. It took me a couple of goes with yeah. Renaults to get used to doing that. Um, but it it does mm. it does work, and I'd be interested to see what difference it made. I mean, I was exactly the same as you with that Renault. I picked up concrete beams from Yorkshire, 43.9, and took it across the A66, back up the road, and it absolutely pillowed on. It was really really impressive. And I'm glad to say that at the start of February, I've managed to blag Renault. Well, not blag, they've gladly handed it to me to go and test it. I've got the um, nice yellow Sport Limited Edition for a week. Um, so I'm going to be out and about tramping in that and I'll be interested to see what results I get from it. The lorry has never done any work. It will be getting the fifth wheel greased for the first time when I get it. Um, Obviously, the engine might be a little bit on the tight side and I definitely Mm. better not go and um, start pulling down tree branches with it, which is quite possible with one of them, given the sheer size of it. Yes, I promise I I will look after it and do a a thorough write-up on it and report back here on it um, also yeah we need to get you out with um, uh, something new to test out we've been hoping for a while mm. to get you out in the Iveco Stralis 570XP which to my mind is the most underrated truck in the country pulls extremely well and the Stralis has got for the size of it has got a really really practical interior and I believe there's some phenomenal deals knocking about at the moment on these because Iveco are looking to shift them with the S-Way coming in and they do have a demonstrator unit, but as of yet, we've not managed to line it up. So both you and I can mm. have a shot of it. But uh, I would say to anybody who's looking for a new Euro 6 truck at the moment, don't discount one of them. If the if the deal is right, um, you could be getting phenomenal value for money there. So I'm going to jot that down as well in my notepad of things that I need to do off the back of the podcast, which is get Chris and Iveco Stralis to test. I've been looking forward to getting my paws on that because Iveco's strong point has always been engines, always. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of an engine, that. It, the, yeah. um, anybody who's got one raves about how hard it pulls, and obviously it's got the tracks and gearbox in it now as well. That drive line that is in that truck yeah. has been updated for Euro 6 C and D, and it's all it's all been done so it's ready to go into the S-Way, which yeah. is... Um, That'll be one of the most exciting things about 2020. There's a lot of new truck launches coming up. We've got a new MAN, a new Volvo FM, mm. but getting the right-hand drive S-ways out there and seeing what people do with them. Because, I mean, Iveco's kind of been on the floor for the last couple of years. Um, there's nothing much happening there at all. But if you're guys who are really into the trucks start getting getting a hold of yeah. these and doing something interesting, you know, I'd like to see what TransTech would do on S-way. That could be uh, quite interesting. Well, this is it. You know, with Renault, with T-Range, it's been a fleet truck, and and you know last six months quite a few of the irish boys have started taking note of the tea highs i've seen some no, stunning ones coming out like when I, was, I went over to bally money in the summer with some robot milking machines and load back out of ballymena with uh, concrete troughs out of mowers and some of the stuff i saw at the port with a renault badge on the front with fridges on marvelous absolutely marvelous if these lads are taking them seriously the budget trucks if you want 
I think the big brands are going to have to give their heads a shake, really. I'd like to welcome Paul O'Callaghan to the Talking Driver podcast, our first episode of 2020. Paul, where are you at the moment? So, at the moment, Dougie, I'm in a hotel in uh, Perth in Western Australia. So, I know I'm supposed to be this outback trucker, but uh, I do occasionally like to detach myself uh, from all things trucking and primarily for the for the reason that I need some uh, I need some good wi-fi in order to do my articles and, and even just to do this podcast so that's it um at the moment I'm working you know six seven days a week and, and have a day off so every now and then I like to just um like to come to a hotel but uh, that's it western Australia and um, based about one hour south of uh, of the city of Perth that's the current location now, of course, it's the height of summer there at the moment, so how's the weather been for you? Because obviously a lot of people will be wondering if you've been affected by the bad fires over in Australia. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good question. That's the first question that everybody asks me, and uh, I've just, when I sent you my latest um, update for Team Truck and Driver today, uh, that was the first thing I addressed, because obviously that's what's... Uh, making the headlines back back uh, over that side of the world, but no, I, I don't have any issue with that with that at all. Um, we don't get bushfires over here. It's it's just not a it's it's not an issue. Slightly, um, it'll be you know a lot less uh, populated over here as well, and um, it's 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 not an issue at all. It just doesn't feature, and it's a vast continent, so you know it's when you look at the I had a look today at the map of where where all, all of those fires are, and and they're primarily over on the on the east coast there but um i see that there's a, there's a lot of the a lot of a lot of places now which which are have been badly affected by drought are starting to get rain so that that's a positive as well definitely so what is it you've been up to uh, since you've been out in australia because you've been out for quite a few months now yeah i left ireland in uh, june of 2019 and so yeah i've uh, up until one month ago i've been uh, up uh, driving uh, kenworth pulling three trailers, transporting cattle all up around the Kimberley, which is in the northwest of Western Australia and into the into the Northern Territory, which your regular readers will know about from my updates. And uh, just in the past month, uh, I've relocated down to where I am currently now, down in, down in, uh, in the bottom of Western Australia, because uh, the, the way things work is basically up, up in the north, there's two seasons. There's dry season, which is when all the cattle movements uh, take place and, and everybody's working and then you get the wet season which is you know it lasts it goes until depending on, on what the weather is like it'll go from somewhere around um, November up until March or April depending if they get rain or not so basically uh, it gets very hot very very humid it makes it very difficult to, to work cattle and then also if you get rain it, it makes the roads impassable so for that reason, um, I normally go and do something else. Sometimes I go up to Darwin, and, and although, although that is still up in the north of of, uh, of Australia, where it's wet season, they have some roads which which you can access cattle yards at uh, that time of year. But they're, they're, they've been a bit quiet this year because there's been there's actually been a huge drought in um, in the Northern Territory and a lot of parts of of uh, the north of Australia. So. Uh, a lot of cattle have been relocated, and um, there's not a huge amount of, of movements going on at the moment. So basically, I'm I'm, I'm down in uh, down here at the moment, which is I'm also also transporting cattle, um, just on a kind of slightly different different scale. And instead of pulling three trailers, I've got a, a B double at the moment, which is quite common down here. So I'm going to a lot of smaller properties, and um, the the countryside would be a little bit more similar to uh, you know certain places in Europe, like. Um, Scotland and, and places like that so it's quite interesting it's a change um, 
dealing with different sort of cattle, uh, you know, quieter breeds of cattle, and um, I've, I've swapped from a Kenworth to a Volvo FH16, 660 XXL. Yeah, because I, re- I remember in your last update, you said you were looking forward to trying a European truck on this sort of work, because uh, the, the perceived wisdom is that a, a lot of European trucks wouldn't be up to the task of dealing with the outback. Um, you've got to have your old riveted together Kenworth. So how have you been getting on with your FH16? Yeah, I've been, get, I've been getting on um, very well w- with it. But I will say that at the moment, like where we are, it's we're not dealing with with the with the badly you know corrugated off road um, tracks which you have up north. And um, people, you know, people often wonder, do you really need the Kenworths? And I will say from my experience that, um, and I actually asked, would say the the guy who runs who runs the, the yard where I used to work, and he said, look at the Kenworths, they just keep coming back season after season and they are really, really durable for kind of arduous off-road conditions, which, which, you know, you could be doing for a long period at the moment it's all what they call bitumen running tarmac running you know it's you're on very little dirt now having said that the some of the tarmac roads down here have surprised me with how, how rough they are it's almost as if they don't properly prepare the, the surface underneath so you actually get some pretty rough uh, sections of corrugation and, and um, i've noticed the truck kind of rattles but on the whole um no it's 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 more than up to the task uh, down here, Dougie, and, and uh, there, there are down here, you know, there are a lot more trucks than there are up north, but there are actually an awful lot more Volvos, just especially around Perth. I've noticed that um, there, uh, I haven't seen you know particular sales figures for this region, but the Europeans are definitely doing damage to the US in terms of, uh, of sales of trucks, and that's primarily down to fuel economy and uh, just whole life cost servicing, that, that kind of thing, good, good backup. So oh, the, the truck's been doing really well, and in, in areas where you need maneuverability, you can't beat a you can't beat a cab over. I know that you've driven um, pretty much every kind of truck transmission there is, and <laughs> you have recently had a quite unusual Kenworth in that it had an automatic gearbox in it, which I recall you'd said at the time that you were very comfortable with, and it, it could do anything that the um, that the manual could do. What kind of gearbox is that in the Kenworth? Because it's not it's not like a ZF gearbox like we get in Europe, is it? No. So uh, traditionally in the Kenworth. The, the, the gearbox, which you'll all have, is an Eaton Fuller Red Road Ranger 18-speed non-synchro gearbox. So basically, you only need to use the clutch to get the truck rolling from a, from a stationary position. And after that, you can change all the gears without using the clutch, just once you get your revs uh, matched correctly. And it's it's no problem going up to the gears, you know, when you're first time, you can, you can actually do it. You know, it's, it's not a big deal, but sometimes uh, when you be, when you're driving driving them in the beginning, it's coming back down the box where you need. But after a while, look, you get used to it, and uh, and it's and it's second nature. So the truck that I was driving was actually quite unusual, in that uh, for a nine on nine, it had an Eaton Ultra Shift Plus gearbox. So basically, it had eighteen gears, but uh, it was fully automatic, and it had. What is what's called a Cobra Ultra Shift, so that's like a big, a nice big lever on the dash, so you can actually grab onto it. You can, you know, put it into reverse. You can actually drive it in manual, click it uh, with your with your thumb. There's up and down buttons, and um, I, I took it. I was only bringing it for for a, bringing it back up the broom from Perth a few years ago. Um, well, sorry, a sister truck with that transmission. I'd never driven one before, and of course, everybody, anybody who hasn't driven autos are always pretty anti them. And, 
I have to say I, I really liked it and, and it went everywhere it never let me down and uh, I kind of defied all the all the naysayers and took it everywhere you could go in, in the outback and uh, I, was, I was a fan of it now I have to say and the big advantage with it is if you've seen from the photographs how narrow the Kenworth cabs are there's barely enough room you know between the seats to walk through and then if you put a gear stick in the middle of that it definitely hinders your access so I was able to swing around and walk straight into the bunk which which was another benefit of it but definitely I liked it and um because any anybody who drove it through well, most of the guys I spoke to who that, that drove them said, said that they liked it as well <laughs> and they got used to it no, that's good I mean it's a curious one the eating gearbox because it is purely an American and Australian transmission it's not something that's um, supplied in Europe at any point, how did you find it compares to the um, the i shift and the Volvo, which is obviously the pretty much the definitive automatic? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's that's a good question. Um, I, I actually wasn't wasn't expecting that Eaton to be as 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 good as good as it was. You know, a lot of people would say that you know the i shift is is the kind of set has, has set the, the benchmark for automatic transition transmissions but um you know I, I i may have been lucky that it never it never gave me any problems and one thing which i will say like okay it mightn't have been as well refined as as the ice shift but one thing that definitely it had was so it, it had 18 gears and i've noticed even with the uh with the ice shift so we, we when we're fully loaded at the moment well at the moment with the b double i've got maybe you know 73 tons something like that i noticed on the waybridge recently now that's for Australia, that, that's not particularly heavy. But um, when, when I've been taking off on, uh, you know, where on, on a gradient like first gear, it's still pretty highly geared. And I have, and I've asked, I spoke to guys who are running, you know, quad tipping, quad uh, side tippers up up in Port Hedland to hauling iron ore, and, and they have said that, you know, it's it's actually too highly geared that first gear. Now, in the meantime, as far as I'm aware, Volvo have brought out uh, a transmission with two lower gears. So that, yes. that's one thing where I, yeah. Now I'm not 100% up on on the um from the stats about that, but definitely uh, it was an advantage having the 18 gears in the ultra shift in comparison to the 12 in the you know would say the, the standard I shift. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Volvo recently made quite a few updates to the iShift. They've introduced crawler gears, which are yes. available. And automatic transmissions in general, you'll find that um, all the other manufacturers, like ZF, who make the traction for Iveco, MAN, and DAF, and you've obviously you've got your, um, yes. the um, Scania Opticruise as well, but the gap between the iShift and all the rest has been um, closed up quite a bit. You don't really get any bad automatic transmissions like you did a few years ago. And they're also they're so complicated that there's an awful lot of features that you wouldn't know about them unless you had some training on them, which I discovered a year ago in Sweden when Volvo took us through some of the controls on the iShift where you could um, you could drive the thing off the steering wheel and set very low speeds and all that yeah. sort of thing. So it's, uh, it's, uh, they're yeah, definitely on their way. Exactly. And, you know, um, when I told people I was out here, I was, I was driving an automatic Kenworth, like a lot of guys had... They did regale me with some tale of you know they had a say a cab over K two hundred and had some you know early incarnation of the uh, of the Eaton automatic and they just did this and did that and it was a disaster and they hated it and and I've no doubt like anything that's the I mean technology that was around with automatic automatic gearboxes ten fifteen years ago is nowhere what it is now and things have developed so um, people need to bear that in mind that like you know technology is progressing all the time. Just what you, you touched on a good point there. I mean, automatic transmissions don't mean that you can just get in there and you know let it do its own thing all the time. You have to know when when to drive it in manual and when to drive it in automatic. So really, 
I think some of the guys that are completely anti everything to do with auto, they might struggle a bit with with um, computers and programming because they really don't know how to drive them. You know, for for example, like one, one thing I've noticed with with the with the automatics is, and especially in the Kenworth, if you're jackknifing, you're turning around, you're coming out of a junction, you're you know, taking a hard a sharp left, you, you really have to hold it in manual because what the truck will try and do is it'll try and change up a gear. But I mean, there's so much force there, you know, from the trailers dragging around that really you have to hold it in and, and just let it straighten up. And then let it, let it. That's just one one case. And um, look, there's a lot of there's a lot. Of, there's actually a lot to to driving an automatic to get the best out, out of them. Definitely. What's your plans for the spring then? Are you staying out in Australia, or are you planning on returning to Ireland at some point? Uh, the plan is I'll I'll be here um, until about April, Dougie, and then uh, and then come back after that, and uh, and hopefully enjoy uh, Northern Hemisphere summer go to some truck shows, hopefully go to a good few truck, truck shows. I'd like to go back to the Truck Star Festival in Assen and then there are some shows in Ireland as well and maybe, you know, the likes of Gaiden, the, the, that uh, classic truck show in, in, uh, over, over in the UK. That's, that's the plan uh, at the moment anyway. I'm just kind of working, I've been working away steady uh, with, with a view to having some free time uh, once I get back to that side of the world. I, I think there are that many truck shows uh, coming up this year, what I think I'm going to do is get a full list of them all together and run through them all in mm. one of the podcasts and talk about them because you could literally be out every single weekend over the summer. There's such yeah. a, a choice, and a lot of them are um, doing good things for charity as well. That's yeah, exactly. You're you're dead right, and that's one thing I've missed about uh, spending so much time out here is um, you do miss the miss the shows, and and they really have. I think in the last few years, from from what I've seen, that they really have become more popular and, and the standard has, has has risen. Last year I went to as many as I could before I came back here and uh, and I really enjoy going around and meeting meeting like-minded people and okay there there are some aspects to the, to the shows that that uh, we all have issues with you know there's uh, <laughs> some of the behavior and, and especially the likes of you know the horn blowing and all that kind of thing it's it's um you could do it out but you have to kind of overlook it and, and, and go there and, and get what you want out of it so like i say um you, you meet a lot you meet a lot, a lot of good people and uh for for truck nuts like ourselves um it's, it's definitely a good day out or weekend out yeah definitely the truck and driver calendar's already fallen up for 2020 what time, what time is it now in Australia? You uh, where did I catch you? Have I taken you out a bar where you were having a pint to go and do this? Uh, I was ha- I was having a pint there, yeah. But um, to be fair, I'm, I'm up early. I'll be back in the six sixty in the morning, so I haven't I haven't actually been uh, since I've been down here. I haven't really been doing a whole lot of drinking with with uh, kind of a, with a, a notion that when I do get back to Ireland, I'll have to do a bit of catching up so um, I've been on a kind of self-imposed sabbat- sabbatical at the moment so it was only literally it was only one one beer so um, you know just just going against the grain there with the whole Irish thing Fantastic well on that note I'm going to let you get back to your beer and I'll catch up with you in the next week or so thanks very much Paul Yeah sounds good Dougie Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.